Welcome. It's time for another episode of Down the Fandom Hole, Conversations with me, Ika Spencer. Today's guest is Aspidites. Thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. So you've talked a lot about adopting animals. Oh, yeah. Your fans know you have snakes and you pretty much have like a menagerie from what it sounds like. What? Who's your favorite? What are they like? Uh, everybody. Yeah, no, you can't have favorites. That doesn't happen. It's a zoo here. Yeah. So I have nine snakes, nine tarantulas. Yeah, what? That happened. I used to be afraid Ooh. of spiders. Not any longer. Now you um, love them. Well, I bought nine of them. So <laughs> all at once. <laughs> that, yeah, that's how I get over my fear. And then I dump them onto my body. <laughs> Come, my little friends. No, um, I, I okay. decided that I was going to get over my fear. And I adopted one and quickly realized that they are very, very not scary and got a bunch more because stupid easy. Same with snakes. Everyone's like, oh, my God, that's so many animals to take care of i'm like no 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 trust me nine snakes and nine tarantulas takes exactly the same amount of time which is not very much really um the three fish tanks and uh three dart frogs and uh chameleon and tortoise they take a lot more time they're a lot more involved okay then but i don't have favorites i mean my cats are my favorites because they're like you know they're cats like the reptiles are just you know they're there <laughs> well they're kind of in their cages yeah. right it's not like you can really interact with them unless you pull well, the no, snakes I do. out I mean, and, and the tarantulas the tarantulas not so much because they don't really need it but for the snakes and, and, and the lizards and stuff I do that's that's part of their enrichment um, they get to hang out climb around something I have an old uh, bird perch that they can climb around on um, when it's nice weather here which is usually from like May to September there's, I have outdoor mm-hmm. enclosures for them to go outside and get the sun and feel like they're wild snakes, you know. So uh-huh. that's good for them. But, and I would say actually my tortoise, <laughs> my tortoise is a little diva. She's great. She's wonderful. Um, she she <laughs> headbutts me when I don't give her the food she likes. <laughs> really oh, that's yeah. adorable. She's like, how dare you? I wanted a strawberry. I requested a strawberry. So they're, I mean, they're mostly um, rescues. And a lot of them have, you know, issues, various issues. So uh, I don't really interact with them all that much because some, for some of them, it would be detrimental. Oh, wow. Okay. So for the most part, they just live their little happy lives. And I try to make them as comfortable and safe as possible and make sure they have, you know, interesting things to enjoy. That's the, the big thing with reptiles. Well, that sounds yeah. fun. I, I'm, I'm on the fence about whether or not I would touch a snake, but maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, slithery movie you know, thing. People tend to view them as um, something that will bite you just kind of out of nowhere. Um, and I always tell people, like, if it's on you, you are a tree branch. It has no need to bite the tree branch. Just stay calm That's and true. still. And you're not a threat to it. If you start actively moving your hand in front of its face or freaking out or poking at it, yeah, it'll probably bite you. But um, snakes are very very chill for the most part you'd be surprised um, i wasn't so much worried about the um biting bit i was more worried about like how they yeah. felt like they just look kind of uh, chill worthy to me people think they're slimy they're not slimy that feels sort of like smooth um leather or like plastic oh. moving through your hands um uh-huh. yeah 
it's it's like a and also their entire body is a tube of muscle so it's very unique to right. feel them it's it's something that i would say most for most people it's going to be interesting but for some people it's not going to freak them out <laughs> it's a textile experience yeah i'll just i i think i'd freak out so maybe well, we can move on if you don't mind <laughs> i'm like oh so you said cats. Do you want to share their names and how many? Oh uh, yeah, I have two cats. Um, they they're both cat pun names. Uh, Tom Sawyer and oh. Truman Cat Pody. Yeah, <laughs> That's See, cute. I, cats have to have writing names. I don't know why, but they just have to. Um, so that's their names and they had to have cat puns because I am like a 45 year old dad <laughs> oh. like, like dad middle age and Funny. washing the Subaru in the driveway that's me uh, but yeah Subarus are good cars, cars. don't be knocking on I the Subarus I'm not, <laughs> okay. I'm not knocking on it uh, no but I love my cats Tom is 13 Truman is a year oh. the baby um and I, I recently, you know, built them a catio. That was a big deal. Everybody was wanting to know about that. The catio is, is functional. Nice. It's uh, not very pretty because I built it out of scrap wood and I am ashamed of myself, but <laughs> it'll get there. Why? Well, I'm. Sounds like you were very um, economical. Yeah, I kind of brute forced it together. It's it's not the greatest. Once I paint it, it'll look nicer and then it'll like actually look like it's mm-hmm. supposed to be together instead of a bunch of pallet boards that I screwed into pieces <laughs> so it'll look nicer eventually that's that's the dream anyway oh it's one of those that'll you'll get it done when you get it done and then it might never happen kind of thing I have those all no, the time. no no it'll get done it's just um like I mentioned okay. it's literally downpouring right now so I can't pay oh, okay. anything it's that that would be a sad sad thing to do <laughs> yeah you'd have all these Maybe it would almost dry, and then you'd have all these yes. watermarks and like little yes. splashes everywhere. Uh, would it be cool? It'd be a fun Sisyphean task. No, True. I, I have the, the cats. Uh, the catio is actually, you know, I'm a perfectionist. It looks fine. My neighbor actually complimented me on that the other day, but um, uh-huh. I just wanted to make it look like cute. I want there to be a little cat grass garden in the bottom. I want there to be like a cute little window and a cute little door. And right now it's just kind of like a chicken wire frame, but I also want to add in more perches and more like driftwood branches mm-hmm. and it has one in there right now. It needs to have a couple more. Sounds like it's very, um, it's it sounds pretty, good. It sounds, sounds cool. Pretty, but I am a perfectionist. Okay. Perfectionism. Dangerous. Oh, yeah. So how about we get into a little bit more of a writer creativity kind of slant now what is your writing process that you use when i say what i do i want to preface this by saying that most people would not thrive doing what i do i am a brute forcer in a lot of ways i'm a i'm a i'm a big perspiration not inspiration person and that works for me it may not work Mm -hmm. for you so my writing process is to stay on that horse um, and what I mean by that is I write five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. I give myself weekends off and I write nice. generally for about six to eight hours a day. Yeah. Oh. And in that time period, I mean, I, I probably average about 500 words every 20 minutes. So in that time okay. period, depending on whether I'm writing from six to nine hours, um, I can get a lot done. 
I mean, I could get two 3,000-word stories done or three 3,000-word stories done. And my weekly average tends to be about 15,000 to 20,000 words. Wow, that's pretty so good. That's that's a big set of numbers that most people are going to go, oh, I only write 20,000 words every three months. Here's what happens to me, though. If I don't do that, and I'm coming, I'm saying this as coming off of a two-week break because I gave myself a little bit of time for the holidays. When I don't mm-hmm. stay on that horse, that bitch is going to buck me off and run right back to the field. I cannot write. <laughs> so... I, I, I've been staring at an empty page for most of yesterday. And it wasn't until I sat down and actually forced myself to write that first sentence that I got the ball. Mm-hmm. Rolling. But oh. it is the starting that is the problem for me. That's where um, all the problems lie. And I think that's a really common problem for most people. And the way that I alleviate mm-hmm. that is by basically never letting that ball stop rolling. So when you let it stop rolling, yes. you're just like, uh... yeah, I can't pick it back up. Well, I can, but it's, it'll take me a week and yeah. a half to write 500 words, you know, like that's, that's ridiculous. I can't live on that pace. So mm-hmm. when I write, whether it's my original work, whether it's something I'm writing for fandom, I have to stay to that pace. And it also keeps me pretty clean. I mean, my first drafts are pretty clean. I, I do a lot of editing on the run and I do a lot of editing during my breaks. So I don't have to do Mm -hmm. major edits for the most part, unless I really feel like I need to restructure uh, or reshuffle some things around. And it means that once I get done with that story, it's pretty much done. That's good. So it's like just uh, you don't have that problem of a shitty first draft. Um, Because if if I gave myself like sometimes I'll don't get me wrong. Sometimes I, I will bust something out and then I'll read it like a month later and go, holy shit. But that's what the edit queue is for. <laughs> um, so like I always have <laughs> scheduled work in advance so that I can edit it and I can look it over and go, you know, this is pretty decent. I did I did a decent job editing first draft, which is not to pat myself on the back, but about 90 percent of the time it's, it's pretty much printable by the end of that three hour period, that first day. And if I really mm-hmm. want to, there are days where I will do the story that day. But that's that's not unheard of for me to do that, and it's also, it's it can be pretty clean. It can it can come out a nice process. When I mm-hmm. take a long t- break from writing and then try to write again, it's almost never a clean edit. It's almost always something that I have to take a month to like sit on and then look at, and that's why it's really useful to have things scheduled way far in advance. So I always know I have material going out, but I don't necessarily have to be on top of it. Um, all the time I can kind of go oh shit that's going to be out next week all right I got to edit that then you know it's not pertinent. no that's good I mean it sounds like you've created like an assembly line Pretty of writing much. almost um, <laughs> and then when a wrench gets thrown in you're like okay I have my week and a half to try to return my brain into getting back into its um routine and yes, its functioning those wrenches happen a lot especially in 2020 but um I think I spent a lot mm-hmm. of time like hand wringing over, you know, my poor readers. They don't have anything this week. And they're like, hey, you posted on Monday. <laughs> you know, like, you're good. You got you got us. You got us this week. <laughs> I'm the one that's really driving the, the horse here. I'm the one that's really pushing for more and more scheduled out further and further. Because, again, that's how I write. I'm an assembly writer. I'm not. I'm not really a creative. I'm I'm more of a, a workhorse. I mean, you can put the carrot in front of me and I'll I'll go for miles. 
you know that's kind of jealous making hearing this as a writer who like I have the shitty first draft and then I have the slightly less shitty second draft and then I have the bearable <laughs> third draft and then I have the polished fourth draft and I'm like okay <laughs> but I think it's awesome that you are you've been able to um create a system that works for you and a from what it sounds like, it allows you to make writing into your um, life, which there's so many people who would love to be able to do that. And it, you've built in this sort of set time where, okay, if I go on this two week vacation, I know for the next week and a half, I'm basically a useless writer, but I have backups to yes. make sure I'm okay. And I still take care but, of my fans. Um, I've been at this for, let's see, I started in uh, late 2017. So uh, about three years now. And, and I have certainly took mm -hmm. uh, a long time to get to this point. Um, and, mm -hmm. and also, I would definitely say that if you had the luxury and the time of being able to do what I do every day, if you don't have a full time job, and you or God forbid, if you're working in retail, or any other position where you're front facing with customers, at the end of the day, you're not going to want to come home and write for six hours. So yeah, no, so really. I have the luxury of doing this in a way that you know, most creative masters would tell you it takes 10,000 hours to get perfect at something. You know, I've put in those 10,000 mm -hmm. hours. I mean, every couple of weeks. So it's, um, I, I've had the luxury of time to get really, really good at that assembly line. And, and that's why mm -hmm. those drafts come out so clean. But certainly in that first year, oh my God, stumbling, 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 stumbling every step of the way. And I don't say that as like, oh, I think you're in your first year. What I mean that is the first year of doing this every single day, I still struggled a lot. The second year of doing this every single day, that is when things started to become cake. I don't know about you, but I have ADHD. And in order to deal with my ADHD, mm -hmm. I have to manage my hyperfixations. And okay. hyperfixations um, will enable you to work on something for six hours at a time. But that energy is then gone. It's, it's finite, you know, um, I can then hyperfixate on the TV for six hours, but it's not like a choice that I make. So when I make the choice to write for 20 minutes at a time, I'm fueling that hyperfixation into that for a really short burst. Mm -hmm. And then I can take that 20 minutes, get up and go do an errand or like walk around the house or, you know, take a call or do whatever I need to do. And I feel like my day is much more productive that way because um, otherwise, you know, I could sit at this computer for six hours, but I don't like that. I feel it almost feels like depression to me, like when mm -hmm. you lay in bed for too long. Yeah. Those days feel like I blink and I miss them. So I like to enjoy my day, even though I'm writing all day. <laughs> so it's a good way for me to manage that. And it's a good way for me to manage my ADHD. That's good. I, I you know, it's, it's so much nicer when you find something that works for you and that allows you to live a life and be productive. And it's, definitely sounds like it is yeah again it's, it's it takes time um i want you know most people who are gonna hear this maybe might be starting out writers or burgeoning writers and you know i, I want like everybody to know that doing this every single day is the best way to do it but that is a luxury mm -hmm. i'm gonna reiterate that a bunch of times because it's it's absolutely a luxury and I took me, I had the luxury of being able to figure out what schedule would work for me. You know, 20 minutes of writing might not work for you, but you need the luxury of time to figure that out. No, that's true. And a lot of people right now maybe have that luxury of time because yeah. of the pandemic, but they also might not 
have the same kind of time because maybe they have children and their children at home and you know so there are times when it's just easier and times when there aren't and so you just have to make it work for you and yeah so like if I had kids or a partner or you know I have my father to take care of too and obviously that's a big commitment Mm -hmm. um but I can't hyperfixate for six hours then you know as as fun Mm -hmm. as that is um, I have to do the 20 minute system. So if you are in that scenario and you only have 20 minutes to be creative, take that 20 minutes and, and write as much as you can in that time. And it could be 500 words. It could be 50 words. It could be five words. But if you do that every day, it'll become a habit. And before you know it, you'll be sticking those 20 minutes in anywhere you possibly can. And that story will be coming along a lot faster because you'll be on that horse every time you do it. That's true. And then it might easy, be even easier for you to be able to synthesize and organize your thoughts in a way that it's become efficient in and of itself as well. Because yes. you're like, okay, maybe you have 20 minutes at three o'clock every day. And for 20 minutes, you do whatever you want to do, writing, drawing, whatever. And, you know, suddenly it's, it's just daily muscle memory, really. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, that's something that most people have the hardest time starting. But once you once you start, it's almost impossible to stop. It becomes a habit. It becomes a really fun habit. It becomes a great creative outlet. And that's why all everybody that does this every day is shaking everyone who doesn't by the shoulders and going, please join us in doing this. <laughs> it is really, really great. But it is the starting and the, 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 the process of making it a habit that is the hard part. I always say if you do something consistently for a week, you formed a pattern. If you do it for a month, you formed a habit. So if you can do that 20 minutes a day for a month, by that point, you won't notice it anymore. And you can also try to build in systems of rewards. Because if I remember correctly, when I read James Clear's Atomic Habits, he was talking about creating small victories along the way that allow you to also fuel the habit formation. So if you wanted to maybe eat a piece of pie, You had to do something so that you've earned the pie and it didn't have to be huge, but it had to be forward facing. Well, you know, I've never read that book, but that's very similar to an idea that I use. The problem that I have is that like, I'm like, I outsmart that system constantly. I'm like, but I could just have the pie. (laughs) I don't need to do the thing. I have the pie right here. That's true. um, I, I tend not to reward myself until certain things goalposts are done but I do reward myself I do use that forward-facing reward methodology it's just that a lot of times my rewards are like well now you get to sit uninterrupted and watch YouTube videos about aquarium maintenance for six hours or whatever it is that I (laughs) deeply enjoy in my strange autistic passions but um that's that's what I do you know that's that's how I reward myself I just can't do that in the 20 minutes in between because the it's not really a reward then it kind of feels stilted mm-hmm. so I if anything I'll like work out or like I said do chores or uh, take a breather to um, research something that I need to research read something I need to read you know no and I mean it's all about creating a life that works for you within yes. the confines of what you got going so yes and I think the biggest trial thing and error is not not giving into guilt you know whatever way that you're writing if you're writing thank God you're writing. (laughs) If you put out 25 words in 2020, thank God you did. 
you know? It's that's, Exactly. Let go of the guilt. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Just do what you can. And that's all we can do. You know, I've been hearing that quote a lot recently, and it's just so true. Yeah. Especially with what's going on. Yeah. I mean, my grandmother used to always say that because it's, it, I'm a perfectionist. And one of the things I see writers struggle with a lot is staring at the page and going, how do I have the perfect beginning to this? How do I have the perfect sentence that sucks people into this perfect story that I have? And I have a lot of people coming to me for edits and they are so sweaty and passionate about this story. And I'm like, listen, it ain't anything right now. It's nothing. You kind of have to sit somebody down and go, you got nothing. So it can't be perfect. You have to fuck up in order for it to be perfect. Start. And, and that is the scariest part. I think for most people, because they want, they want to be perfect. They want to be good right out of the gate. They don't want the fear of being criticized, the work that they have to do to, to get better at something that they really love because they want to be told that they're good at it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in order to be told you're good at it, you got to be good at it. And, in order and to you got to practice. It, you got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can outline to death. This is why I tend to be the enemy of outlines. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you just got to write it on the page. That's true. Sometimes outlines are good, though. But I am a pantser by nature. And yeah. so, you know, I and I've try to have multiple whips in progress uh, or sorry works in progress and it just doesn't work out for me because yeah. I, ha- I have to just write it down somewhere and then just keep adding to it and then maybe it'll be a story I don't know I my mean, um I definitely outline for works in progress um or at least if I let's just put it this way um I don't outline when I start a story I just start it and I see I have a general idea of what beats I need to hit um, where I want to go, potentially what lines I might want to use, or potentially where I want it to end up. But most of the time, um, I know how to get there. I don't really mm-hmm. need to like give myself a roadmap, if that makes sense. But that's because mm-hmm. I've been doing this day in and day out for three years. Um, when I come to a, a chapter, especially if I haven't been writing for a while, then I sometimes need to sit down and think, where am I going to go in this chapter? And where does it fit in the larger piece of this story? Um, Mm -hmm. Having multiple stories going at once means that I have to constantly remember different themes, different, where am I going to go with this overarching storyline? What plot points I need to hit? Where have I set down traps that I need to pick up later? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. did I lay out the gun in this first scene and now I need to fire it? Um, it's so that kind of stuff does take a lot more time than just a regular story. And in that sense, I do agree that you need to outline, but in starting a story, um, just begin it with a stupid, simple sentence. Um, don't put a lot of thought into it. Do you listen to music when you, um, write or do you kind of like stay in a quiet zone i have to stay in a quiet zone because of my adhd if i hear lyrics i'm gonna start typing those lyrics <laughs> but um that being said every morning i get up and i do a workout before i start writing and i hype myself up for writing so um i listen to like a lot of like you know a lot of hip-hop a lot of like tyga and chance the rapper and um run the jewels and uh, michael aristotle and um Lots and lots of uh, Childish Gambino. <laughs> so I get hyped up. Um, I take a shower. I 
you know, make sure I have my coffee and then I start my day. That's nice. Yeah. So what kind of are your inspirations besides maybe fan prompts? How do you come up with your story ideas? If you don't mind also original works that you've done and then fandom stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm almost ready to publish my original work. N- not really, well, not like publish, publish, but it's going to start showing up. Chapters of it are going to start showing up. Okay. Um, yeah. It's almost there. We're getting there. Uh, 2020 has been a, a good year for me in the sense of taking time to work on that. That was one of my goals and I did manage to accomplish that. So that's pretty good. As far as inspiration for that specifically, um, which I'll just tell you, it's called Harpy. And it's, uh, I I definitely have been drawing inspiration from real life. I mean, you know, I mentioned this in our last conversation, but I spent a lot of my summer and a lot of the spring at the protests and, um, you know, seeing what was going on in the streets and seeing what my nation was doing was a real big factor for me in deciding I needed to start working on Uh, my story because a lot of my story involves um, class war Mm -hmm. and what divides us being brought upon us rather than being Mm -hmm. actual divisions and you know it's a (laughs) it's a modern fantasy story about shape-shifting queer people but (laughs) nice (laughs) it's it's also about class warfare um, in a big way because the you know the the better shape-shifters kind of control everything so I I have, I have like a couple real life inspirations there and a couple things that I'm going to draw on and for sure, you know, go with that direction in my fic. And then also when writing fanfic, I, I, I love to toss in little details, you know, like a type of plant, you know, yes, or like you did that with uh, (laughs) a Tarzan AU. Yeah. Yeah. Those are real trees. Brelate or something. I forgot how, what it was called. A bromeliads or... There you go. Yeah. So those are real plants. They're epiphyllites. I'm actually looking at one right now. Um, and epiphyllites are plants that don't need roots to be in the ground. So they can just nice. sit on a tree. Um, oh. You, you actually, you have dozens of native Hawaiian bromeliads. I think we... Ha- I think the mandrake tree or the... Maybe it's the ohia. I forgot which one, but the roots are actually very high up on the tree and, and it just kind of skirts. Yes. Yep. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. You know, like I, I love nature. I'm a big <laughs> fan of drawing from nature, even for <laughs> a stupid ABO fic, you know, like even a, a you know, one that's specifically a, a, a parody of Disney's Tarzan. <laughs> but it's a cute parody i'm like I'm, I'm i i can't wait to find out what happened because oh people are in love with and i, I have to say it's, it's becoming one of my most favorite things i've ever written because i'm like legit like i like this it's gonna be cute it's gonna be a cute one i can't wait to find out what happens next not to put pressure on i hope that doesn't make it feel like that no 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 it's coming it's getting worked on actually it's later on tonight um, but yeah, no, it's, I like to draw from life for sure. And I, I, I love to draw from other things I've read or other things that I've listened to. So like, you know, I obviously love podcasts and I'll pop in like a reference to my favorite murder or lore, or you must remember this, or, you know, just something that I've been listening to, um, out of nowhere in there. And I, I love that. Like little details are humanizing, um, and they make things better. Even if you're just going to have, like, a side character in one story, um, Mm -hmm. talk about, like, you know, maybe he's sipping some tea and the mug that he's sipping it from is chipped because his wife dropped it. 
but he likes that because he likes his wife. Little things like that. Like yeah, it, it humanizes it yeah. and allows people to be able to maybe more readily put themselves as part of the story as opposed to outside of it. So, you can immerse yourself a little better. Exactly. At least that's what I think. Yeah. So like when I walk around and, and I do my daily um, walk around my neighborhood or around wherever I happen to be walking, whether it's hiking or whatever, if I see other people, a lot of times those other people make it into the story. <laughs> <laughs> There's very specific well, scenes from like the lesbian couple who lives three houses down from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they are Lena and Kara a lot. They've they've uh, they've been incorporated a lot because they have two kids and two dogs, and they are the picture of domestic bliss. So I, I, they they don't know it, but they get they get shunted into fic a lot. Well, you don't know if they actually read your stuff. Well, they so might. Should. Maybe they do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They may be, hey, that's us. Uh, and they're like, who is this person? I'm like, oh, we do have a, a white Lexus. Wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? We do have Or they'll be like, no, no, it can't be us. It can't be us. <laughs> Wait a minute. Our mailbox is. No, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I, that's for sure. Well, that's the best part, right? Being able to translate a world that is either something you want or something you don't want, and you try to create a world that you do. And also, like, when you write porn, just to be, like, very, Mm -hmm. very real, you want it to be real. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what if people... What did people just recently freak out over with Pornhub that they deleted all the user content, right? Because that's all the amateur shit. Because people like amateur shit. Because they want to pretend that they're watching a moment in someone's lives. Mm -hmm. And and that's what romance fiction is. And that's what fan fiction is. It's like we want to pretend like we're watching a moment in these characters' lives. And when we watch it, sometimes we want to watch them fuck. (laughs) Yep. Or want to read about it gratuitously. And you're like, oh, that's what's going on. Okay. Yes. Oh. (laughs) I'm just going to pretend this was the episode that I watched. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, oh, they finally kissed as opposed to Lena um, ugly crying about lack of right. whatever like or like lena getting yelled at again mm-hmm. <laughs> oh geez. yeah um, that poor character that poor but she's character. such a great character right for she she has a very that actress has a very expressive face and in mm-hmm. the the scenes where she has to be upset it's like oh somebody get her a teddy bear <laughs> right <laughs> she's so upset exactly yeah it's so i mean i guess when i write porn like i i want those people who are reading it to feel authenticity and mm-hmm. that doesn't just trickle down to like genitals it trickles down to everything you know I want them to feel like they saw a moment in these people's lives and if, if these people are real to them then they'll be turned on and that's how I work <laughs> I know I did a good job unless if you hate me or you're turned exactly. on exactly if, if I made you hate my a character that I wrote I did a good uh-huh. job if you hate my Lex, then I wrote him real fucking good. Because <laughs> I wanted you. God, to do hate I him. hate Lex in the vessel? Yeah, no, he's an ass. Oh. He's an ass, and he's usually an ass. I, I'm actually, um, I'm gonna write in, a, in an upcoming story. I'm not gonna give spoilers, but he is not gonna be an ass in an upcoming story. He's actually gonna be a hero. He's gonna be a good guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just a that sounds hard, good. Because you know he's Lex Luthor. <laughs> Like, that's true he is literally it, the epitome of a supervillain. he really is 
he really is. But I mean, you know, if you were watching Smallville, he well, he wasn't that bad no, as a young guy. Right? I, he actually had a heart. I only and then watched one season of Smallville, but yeah, I kind of went crazy. Fucking bad for him, man. So, what kind of um, books do you like to read? That kind of do you get inspiration from books as well? Yeah. Absolutely. What kind of things do you enjoy reading? Um, you know, I was much more of a fiction reader in my youth. Uh, now I'm much more of a nonfiction reader. Um, I read a lot of true crime and nature studies. I just finished actually reading um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which is an incredible book about the Golden State Killer. And I am probably going to end up writing kind of a, you know, I was going to say a noir-y super corp, but there's already one out right now, which is phenomenal and way better than anything I could ever write. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But uh, for sure, if you're interested in noir, there's like Musical Dreams has an insane insanely good super corp story so i won't be writing that but i will probably write something to do with like a detective or like a a homicide story because that's that's definitely been on my mind lately and then i really wanted to for like a year now write like a stupid really cute steve Irwin-y story with Kara as like a a, a crocodile biologist <laughs> really yeah. And then Lena is a what? Because, well, okay, so if you, Steve Irwin was like the definition of a himbo. He was like really, really cute and like a sweet, gentle human being. But like if he saw a venomous snake, he'd be like, snake! And he'd fucking throw himself onto it. Yeah. But he's, he was smart. <laughs> he was, you know, he's very smart. But it's, he was smart in the same way that I'm smart. We're like, he's smart, but he's excited. If I see a rattlesnake, I'm going to be like, snake! Fucking time on it. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of brain power going on there. Uh, okay. <laughs> really, really didn't work in my favor in a lot of cases. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that's cute. And so I, when I read, I guess I, could, I guess you could say I read a lot more stuff that like ends up in my fic. Um, I actually, this is dorky and cute, but I grew up on the Redwall book series, Brian Jock. And it's like all these like little mice like live in an abbey and, and fight ferrets and shit. And I've Aww. been rereading all of those throughout quarantine and they are lovely reread your childhood favorites that shit is so warming and affirming and i'm like oh i remember when i read this passage for the first time (laughs) so good oh my god it's all nostalgia sounds like you're Uh, absolutely reread your childhood favorites and then i read a lot of stephen king because that dude is my goat like i mean he's he's a he's a producer i like i like producers I don't, i'm not a i like george r. r martin like i like what he's written but i'm also like fuck uh, stephen king is is great to read because his style is consistent and he's an assembly line, line writer like you know what you're getting and uh-huh. i don't think you can speak of any other writer that has had more influence on the public lexicon in america than stephen fucking king man like carrie stand by me uh it's the stand this list goes on and on and on and on the man has influenced a lot of our media and if i could be anywhere near as influential in like super corp fan fiction then the assembly line is working great (laughs) and that's working fantastic for me so i really want there's no reason why that dream can't happen right yeah no of course not i'm much did you read his on writing yeah, I love his that. That's where I get most of my inspiration, to be honest, because he's he's the son of, um, you know, hardworking people, a single mom that, you know, had to work really hard. And so 
his way of approaching writing is, is a lot different from the writing that I grew up with because I'm the child of a writer and the way that he approaches writing is very different to how I approach it. He is much more of an inspiration and art based and a creative based writer. And that's why I say I'm a workhorse. Like he's the, he's the show pony. He's the pretty one. He's the one that, you know, people are going to remember, but I'll put out a huge amount of work (laughs) and I'll be able to feed my family. So that's all I care about. Yeah. At the end of the day, you want it to be both passionate and profitable. Yeah. I want to be able to do what I am uniquely gifted at doing. This is a skill that I was put on this earth to do by nature or nurture. I'm very good at it. And I, I would like to do it as my thing that I do in this world. You know, the, the Buddhists call it the way of living. I have to say, as a, as a fan of your work, because I definitely see the way your work has progressed. If you, you know, you just start to create these beautiful phrases and then it's just your writing's beautiful no matter what you're writing. Thank you. Even when it's hard stuff, it's like, God, this thing just is so well written and you just hate the context, <laughs> but you just want to keep reading. <laughs> well, at least that's my problem, but... Let's see, then I've done my job. Yeah. And, and that's all I care about is doing the job. I like doing the job well. And I, I like making my readers happy. And, and yeah, I do think that the longer I do this, the better I get at it. But I think mm-hmm. that applies to anybody. I don't think that's a unique to me thing. I think that if anybody had the luxury of time, like I was saying, you can, you can absolutely put in the work and get, get good at writing to this level. You can, you can absolutely do that. And if you look at my first fic compared to where I'm at now, it's wildly different. And I, I mean, I still think it's good. It's decent. It's not terrible, but it's not great. <laughs> I don't like, re- I don't like re- looking at those. <laughs> I have some people that are like, oh my God, Blood Royal is my favorite story ever. And I'm like, oh, I love you so much. But that is not something I am proud of anymore. <laughs> I like come around my way, for example, it's really cute. Like, I did not know the characters at all when I wrote it. And I, I didn't know what I was trying to say when I wrote it. I really just wanted to, like, do one chapter of it. And it kind of kept going out of hand. I developed not only my style, but the way to manage my style. Because now I know that if I only want one chapter of it, it's got to stop. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Because I, I have a lot of people asking, oh, could you do more of this story? And I go... No, 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 it won't be very good. And I'm sorry, I wish it would be better, but it won't be because I don't care about it anymore. I've moved That's on. That's true. It's hard to go back to something you used to do and then try to keep, keep it going. Yes. Sometimes like I, I'll reread something and I'll go, oh yeah, you know what? I had a sequel in mind for this. I'm going to do it. And that happens. And there is one right now I'm working on that. I think most people thought I abandoned it, but it's not, it's not. It's almost done. Don't worry. Okay. Um, But I think that um, for the most part, I've learned now that I need to just go one and done on something if I know right from the get-go that I need to do that. Trust my instincts and just go with it. Um, There are some things where I'm writing it and I'm like, well, I'm meant for this to be one, but I have so many more ideas. And that's when I know that it's got to be a work in progress. It's got to keep going. So do you have like a limit you usually try to get to or you, you, you could write 40 chapters of a story and you'd be okay? No, 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 no. I have to uh, keep it to a decent limit 
Um, I don't want to write 40 chapters of a story because each chapter is 3,000 words. Mm. That's a lot of writing. That's 120,000 mm-hmm. words. <laughs> yep. I could write a book. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I mean, I look you at could. my word count in AO3, I'm like, you could have written a couple books, honey. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's just, it's, I like to keep things things have to have a beginning middle and end you know and i i have to know where the end is it's, it's far too easy with something like uh you know ending over 10 chapters for it to suddenly turn into like a meandering plot filler chapters here and there because i'm not quite at the spot where i needed to be you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. too easy for the, the quality of it to decline i've noticed that mm-hmm. so i tend to have um at least this going into 2021 I want things to be more tightly paced and I want things to have uh, a very clear endpoint. And for all of the current work in progresses that I have, they're all under 10 chapters as an endpoint. So how many work in progresses do you have? If you don't mind sharing, uh, four, nope, five. Well, that's not so bad. Yeah, no, not bad at all. I mean, I've had 12 ongoing at one point. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> uh, it's easy to get. That sounds crazy. Yeah, it, It's easy to get in over your head for sure that sounds a little scary i'm not gonna lie uh, yeah i've i've sometimes worked best under the fire that i light under my own ass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um you know i have right now let's see i have like 17 prompts in my to-do list uh-huh. um now mo- granted most of them are not due or if they are late they're only late by a little bit and I tend to tell people it takes me one to two months to complete a prompt so if it's late by a month that's still within the time limit but um it's (laughs) that that guilt is what drives me to produce that constant nagging 17 prompts 17 prompts that's what makes me write (laughs) but unfortunately If you keep putting more prompts every month, you technically never lose those prompt numbers. I never numbers. do. I never do. I've never gotten to a point where it's zero prompt. Well, that would be terrible if you ever did, honestly, right? No, yeah. That would mean that I'm not popular anymore. I'm not a cool kid. I better stop tagging things as much. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the things you want to do for 2021. Or is there anything else you're hoping will happen during 2021 or you're moving towards i'm really hoping to expand with original work in 2021 um i want to do some original erotica some original abo um some original work that's not porn Mm -hmm. (laughs) hopefully people will still want to read because there will be an explicit sex scene in there somewhere it's just going to be like Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 chapters deep (laughs) oh it's it's a slow burn just kidding yeah i mean it's i i have these two characters that like can't get together for a lot of reasons right now but like want to and there's been a lot of like pressing each other up against walls <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so my, my goal is original fiction for 2021 and oh nice and I've got finally gotten there you know I've given like I've given myself that platform I've given myself the schedule I have work you know put out in advance for the fans of my fanfic and I have a place and a platform to produce for people who might want to go further might want to just read what I write and I'm lucky enough at this point that I have well over 400 people (laughs) who are saying Mm -hmm. to me every single month hey we want to read what you write so um you know and a lot more than that subscribe to me on AO3 and Tumblr but those are the people that pay me so (laughs) those are the people that that matter in a lot of ways (laughs) 
but yeah, so that, that number has kind of encouraged me to, to keep going and, and do some original stuff instead of just playing in the sandbox of fanfic. Yeah, but fanfic is a fun sandbox to play oh in. God, so. yes. I'll never abandon it. It's wonderful. I think if you're a creator, you always have to come back to fanfic because when you see something you like, sometimes you just want to make more of it. Oh, that's true. And you can also be able to practice uh, with newer themes or an idea that you're not ready to share with the world as a as an original work but you're like oh let me see what how it takes or how people think and i mean do you think i would a a story like the vessel is a much Mm. more of a commitment from me as an author than it is for me as a fanfic author that is a brand that i'm putting out there Mm -hmm. i'm saying hey guess what now I'm only the dubious consent sex slave brand, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, that's me saying that. Whereas in fanfic, fuck man, I have a Tarzan AU out right now. I have a sex slave AU out right now. I have a fucking like alien sex BDSM AU out right now. <laughs> like uh-huh. I can play in a lot of sandboxes and it's fun. It's so fun. I encourage everybody to do it because there's no rules and there's no limitations and there's no judgment. It's just fanfic. Nobody's going to, this is not a term paper. Nobody's judging you. And if they do, fuck them. Play in the sandbox. It's a lot of fun. And I want everybody to feel this amount of freedom. Yeah. And sometimes we just don't feel that, right? But maybe we can create it for ourselves. And that fanfiction definitely allows that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that first one, you're going to put it out and you're going to go, oh my God, is it okay? Is it? And you're also going to be like, Oh, are the the big writers that I really like, are they going to read it? No, no. And it's not very good, (laughs) but you got one, you got one out there and it's damn, that's, that's better than most. Put out another. And you can just build on that with another one and just another another. one and just another one. Keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. You're never going to write the perfect fanfic in one go. Okay. Um, Nobody is going to be stay the night. Aside, aside from Lynn, nobody's going to be stay the night. But it is. Is that a fan fiction? Oh, shit. Oh, let me just, as a, an aside and as a recommendation, read okay. Lynn Arlington's Stay the Night. It is a very fucking good, long, slow burn AU that still has insanely good sex scenes. And um, it made me care about basketball again. So there's that. What's the fandom? Uh, it's Supercorp. It's really? probably one of the most popular, if not the most popular, Supercorp fanfic. Ah, Stay the Night? Stay the Night. Okay, I will take a look at that. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's a very good fanfic, but I like to tell people, uh, whatever whatever thing you're reading that you're in love with, whatever story for you that like is the number one, that you love it and you come back to it and you're like that author is the best best author and everything they write is amazing and I could never be at that level. They had a first one. Go read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very good. It's not good. Read that for the, if, read that Shetty first attempt. Yes, go ahead. Go do read it. their fire in my bones and it's not going to be good. I promise you. But it'll be good for you to see it because it's important to understand that this is a playground and we all fall down sometimes and the first time on the slide you're gonna fall down <laughs> true you might not catch yourself but you always can have that second attempt yeah and it's a fucking slide man 
it's great. Put some water yeah. on that and get a pool and you've got a, like a nice little um water park at your house exactly. or wherever. Exactly. It's this is what fan fiction is. We can make it whatever we want and it doesn't matter what anyone else says about it. Even commenters who tell you that it's not good. It doesn't matter. No, that's true. Right? You you could be like two people who don't like it. If the majority of everyone else likes it, go with them. Yeah, and also, you know what you learn as a writer in this game that I'm sure you've learned and I know other people have learned? It's silent mm-hmm. majority rules. The minority of people comment on something. The majority mm-hmm. of people just leave kudos and move on. An even larger majority like it and don't do anything to it at all. They just like it mm-hmm. and they don't and they've read, they've read it. And they go, I like that. And they don't leave a kudos or a comment. So that's true. You're, you're actually, whether you know it or not, you're writing for that majority most of the time. And um, so that's why I don't get too hung up on comments. And that's why I don't really care. Because I know that uh, by the time it makes it to AO3, the people that I care about have seen it. And they care about it. And that's what matters to me. That's good. That's a good way of looking at it, things in general. Do you even beyond fan fiction just life yes yeah oh yes definitely only only pay attention to those who matter and uh those who matter don't mind that's the most important lesson to learn that's true and it's easier to have a hard comment from someone who's also in the arena with you as opposed to someone who is not in the arena because then you're like oh they've kind of gone through this too they understand and but i feel like those people who have been in the arena probably are much more thoughtful when they do make a comment or something i've never had another writer criticize my work and i'd honestly be really open to it um i have Mm -hmm. early stages because it needed it for sure at this stage now you know i'm getting i'm getting pretty good but i'd also love to hear some feedback about things i may not be seeing so yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I would love that kind of feedback from other writers. It's the kind of thing, it's the things that you're not seeing as a writer, you know. I, I have to say, it's at the end of the day, fanfic is a sandbox. And like, it's fun for me. So like, I don't care that much about edits. And I don't care that much about, you know, whether it makes a lot of hits or not. It's nice that some of mine have made a lot of hits. But uh, I think that comes down to more of that. I do it so often that my name pops up a lot and people just kind of go, hey, I know that person. Click. Name recognition mm-hmm. is a thing. It is helpful. For sure. I'm building a brand and that brand is porn. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the brand you want to keep going off of or do you want to have a different brand at some point? You know, I'm pretty comfortable with sex. I'm pretty sex positive. Um, I was a sex worker at one point. That's something I talk about pretty openly on my Tumblr. I was I was a dominatrix professionally. So um, I have not a lot of problems with staying as a, a sex writer. I think that, you know, I'm lucky enough that my parents kind of go all oh, and like roll their eyes about it. <laughs> and, um, uh, I don't really have you know, like I said, I come from a very stable background and I'm lucky enough to have a very loving and supportive background. So I come from a big place of confidence when it comes to stuff like this. And I know sex sells and I would like to make a living off of writing from home. So if that's what it takes. Well, you're doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's what I'm going to do. So ultimately you're like there, like I said, I want to write some, some books that are not just porn but i will write some just porn mm-hmm. i'll write some straight up just original porn because it's fun because sex is fun it is yeah it's pretty great it is. it's it's good on a hard day or like getting lost in you know 
everything else. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking great to be able to have fun with our bodies um, in a consensual and safe way. And I am all about celebrating that because our society is super sex negative And I, I don't agree with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, I think this is a good place to stop. I want to thank Aspidites for coming on the show today and chatting with me. And if you'd like to connect with them, check out the episode description. And don't forget to subscribe and tune in on December 30th to listen to my conversation with Ray D. Magden. Until next time, thank you for listening.